Thank you for listening to Thank You for Joking, a show about the process of being a comedy writer. Sometimes it's stand-up comics going through that process together, trying out jokes, giving each other notes, and sometimes I'm going to have TV writers on here talking about their process. So please subscribe. There'll be new episodes every week. Thanks. Freaking jobs I have. Like my brother always goes, "Oh, you're like Amen." Like back in the day on In Living Color, they had those those characters that were like Jamaican, and they had like a hundred jobs or whatever. And that was like the the whole thing to the sketch. They were like, "Oh, what? you know," they're like, "What happened to that boy you were dating? He was a nice boy. He he had 150 jobs." She's like, "He died, Dad." You know, it's like a whole. It was it was a fun little thing. So what? What do you teach at UNLV? Uh, I teach uh, comedy writing, uh, sketch comedy, and uh, acting. Wow. That's great. That's so funny because I was like just thinking <laughs> the other day that I want to try to do exactly that. Like try to. Is yeah, that, you know, it, it's really cool because, you know, I mean, <clears throat> the university hit me up one day and they were like, hey, they were like, you know, we really want to start um, mixing in comedy you know, you know, for our students, because, you know, th there's such a big thing to, you know, it's, it's not just good enough to be an actor anymore. Right. <laughs> like, like you have to do so many different things. You have to be able to, to, to write or direct or something, you know? Um, so they wanted to kind of, you know, put that in there. So we put that in there like six years ago for the grad students. And then we started doing it for the undergrads and, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty cool program over there. We want to teach students as many ways as possible to be unemployed. Exactly. Not just, not just one way to be unemployed. You're like, yeah. Hey, hey, kids! If you follow your dreams like I did, you can have uh, have to have five jokes or five jokes, five jobs just to support yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you have five jobs. That's, that's that's how you do it. Follow those dreams, kids. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's my whole thing is like, dude, I'm like, I'm like, you know, they need as many tools as they can have to work. You know, it's like it's like give them everything that you can possibly give them because Lord knows it's 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 a rough industry. You know. Is that uh, is like teaching at a college lucrative or not so much? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, you know, I'm not like a, like a tenured professor, you know, those guys make, you know, $120,000 a year, right? Like, right. like, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm more, I'm more on like the, the part-time professor thing. So it's, it's a little different. You get paid like per class and stuff like that, but it's still not bad comparative to like, you yeah. know, other jobs that I've had. And, and as far as the difficulty level, it's like, you know, it's, I mean, acting, you know, I, I have a degree in it, you know, <laughs> and I also have a business degree too, but, um, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that I know really well. So it's like, when you teach the class, it's not like it's difficult. You know, the first time teaching the class is the hardest part, right? And then after that, you kind of have your flow. So you just kind of, you know, you make small tweaks for different things, but for the most part, it's, you know, kind of the same stuff. I don't think you haven't slept in the last 20 years. <laughs> There's so many things going on. A business degree, an acting degree. I've run a wedding company. I'm teaching uh, at the school, and yeah, that's great. Good for you. yeah. I, I mean, I just always, you know, I'm one of those guys. I always like to keep busy. Like, I've never been a person that, and, and it, I was a lazy fucker. Like, right till high school. <laughs> after that, it was like, it was like, dude, let's, you know, let's. I just got involved in every activity and everything I could do, and you know, just kind of transferred over to life. I'm I'm doing nothing, and I'm exhausted. So. I can't even imagine how well, you're handling kids. it. Well, actually, Jason has kids too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got the I got the one. That's old. Holy moly! I, w I was hoping to try to figure out how to teach screenwriting at a college because mm -hmm. that's what I studied in school, and I love I love screenwriting, and uh, I love. But more than anything, honestly, I love teaching other people. How to, like, there's a lot of comics over the years that I've basically taught how to write scripts and. 
just like the basic, you know, formula. Cause there's mm-hmm. like what comics don't ever seem to realize is that there's a formula to writing a TV script, right? It has to have like an act <laughs> break where there's a, an upset and then, you know, oh, yeah. you know there's like an art. My laptop yeah. is resting yeah, on top of Robert Mickey's story right now. What's up? My laptop is actually resting, so I so I can have it up at eye level. It's, it's resting on a story by Robert McKee. Oh right, okay. And uh, that's what I'm doing with my screenwriting book. You you actually learn a lot by teaching too. Anytime I've taught, and I've I've been teaching comedy for about know, about twenty years now. You you go you, you tell somebody something and you go, oh, yeah. Why aren't I doing that? Yeah, that makes yeah, a lot yeah. of sense. It's totally yeah. true. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's a, some advice I got years ago. They said, if you can, you know, you can, you can say that you really know a subject well when you can teach it well. It, you know, when you, can, when you can teach something really well, that's when you can go, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I know this a little bit. <laughs> like, and some, you know, sometimes like, students will simplify things for you, too. And they'll say, they'll ask a question, you'll go, oh, yeah, I've, I've really been overcomplicating this. That just broke through everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah, I had a student last last semester that that really surprised me with comedy writing because because you know he he was he's a very analytical guy. He took the class because he wanted to be able to to talk well in front of people and be a little more social, right? And um, and he he was like he goes so um you know and, and I I use Jerry Corley's book um you know comedy DNA which is a is a really good book and uh, he uh you know they talk about like laugh triggers and things like that and and. Uh, so the student literally did this whole mathematical analysis of like jokes that are more likely to make people laugh based off of, you know, the laugh triggers. And it had like all these percents and all these things. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Wait, can, I, can I ask you a question, Jason? So yeah. have, you, have you taught comedians as well as like, like just students? Um, well, yeah, as far as comedians go, I mean, you know, there's, there's some of my students that went on to become comedians, but when right. they started out, they weren't comedians. Because um, I've taught university yeah. level, and then I've also taught stand-ups in clubs, and then I've also taught just stand-ups to just come to me. Mm-hmm. And most of the stand-ups that came to me, like in, in New York, Rob, when I was doing the comedy club, they all kind of know everything. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's a lot of attitude, even like, why are you even teaching comedy? You can't, do, you can't teach comedy. You know, mm-hmm. but then when I taught at the university level, they were like the best students I've ever had. Like within six weeks, they had like a killer five minutes because they listened and were willing to try things and they came at it with no ego. They were just like, let me try this. And then they were great. It's totally true. It's totally true. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of like standups that are like, Oh, well I know everything. Or they're like, like, Oh, I just do my work on stage or whatever, you know, but like these students right. go in gung-ho. and also their final exam is at a comedy club. So we usually yeah. use like the LA comedy club or something like that. So they get to go up in front of all their friends at a comedy club, you know, we usually do it at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on like a Thursday or a Friday or something like that. And they just eat it up. These students love it. I mean, I've got one that, that has like performed at Danger Fields in New York. You know, he's, he's acting in New York, but he, he still does comedy and stuff like that. So, you know, there's some of them that, that kind of have gone on to keep doing comedy a little bit. Um, yeah, when no, people ask me, hey, yeah, I, I've said like the only person I can't teach is the person who already knows everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like if the and answer is, I know, I know, you're like, uh, okay, then you're, you're, you're graduating. Congratulations. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, and that's the worst thing because comedy is always teaching you something no matter what. Like, like it's one of those art forms. You can't know everything about it, right? Like, like it's, it's like no matter what, something is going to come up that make you go, oh shit, I didn't, 
didn't think about that or didn't see that coming or didn't, you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, someone would go up there and just kill every single night. Right. (laughs) And it's like other kinds of art, you know, like with the, you know, the masters of painting, you know, they would go to painting schools. They would literally copy other, you know, painters work just to understand the brush strokes. And then they would get their own style. I mean, you listen to a lot of, you know, real famous comedians, they'll say, Oh yeah, I listened to that album. 800 times like Bill Maher was talking about how he transcribed one of the albums that he loved as a kid just to see how things went together you know mm-hmm. and then you kind of go off and of course in comedy you know you can't you can't take other people's jokes but you hear so many comics who started out I mean Richard Pryor started out doing Bill Cosby stuff mm-hmm. and to the point where Cosby's manager was like hey you gotta, you gotta knock it off you know <laughs> and eventually they figured stuff out yeah so Comedy, you know, there's always something to learn. Always, you know, you're, you're trying to teach people to be the first them and not like another someone else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing is like, you know, and I always just say, look, I'm like, I'm like, you know, and we, and we start at one of the first things we do is I just go, okay, give me your, you know, you know, pick a comedian that you love, that you like, and they bring that to class and then they, and then, and then I go, okay, why do you like this comedian? <laughs> you know, and then we kind of start to break down and they start to see, oh, okay, so I like this style of comedy typically, it, you know, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing for them to see, you know, but yeah, yeah, we always start with like, with like, okay, who do you like? And, and also it's just like getting them up there and getting them to tell a joke. Like, dude, tell me a joke. Like every single yeah. class I go, yeah. start with something, something funny. Well, and, and to convince them to talk about themselves. I mean, I had a guy in a class that would only do dick jokes. And I was like, yeah, you're doing dick jokes and, you know, they're okay, but everybody does that. Like, what's your deal? And he's like, I'm sorry. Oh, military. And, uh, yeah, he said, jump out of planes. I've been in war. And I'm like, why are you talking about that stuff? Are you not talking about it because you, you know, like you're, you had some trauma? He's like, it's like, no, I just don't think it's that interesting. Like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And, <laughs> but and it's your life. You don't do. think it's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, no, it's, it's so true. It's, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, cause, cause, you know, and a lot of them, you know, as first when they, when they're really raw and they first start out, like, it's almost like they revert back to that kid thing where they're doing, you know, just, you know, they're just going for like embarrassment, right. They're, they're going like, oh, okay, you know, here's, oh, well, I took a shit the other day or, or, oh, I had yeah. a, you know, or, or, you know, and you're like, dude, you're like, there's so much more out there, <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, but that's what kids, when kids first start out, like my nephew, when he first realized that I was a comic, he goes, he goes, Uncle Jason, I have a joke for you. And I'm like, what? He goes, poop. And then he just runs off. And you're like, Great well, joke. That's, his, that's his first joke right there. Classic. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. He pooped his pants as he did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, well, gets, everybody has that phase, you know, where they get up on stage and they're like finally allowed to say things that they can't say in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. And the ones that keep on doing it, they, they kind of find out, okay, well, um it's it's you know if that's the punchline it's not a great punchline it's not like you can't be dirty it's like you can't curse i mean obviously there are masters of of you know blue material Mm -hmm. but it just can't be that can't be the reason like your yeah your premise can't be i want to be shocking yeah exactly well well, especially not anymore like back in the day you could get away with it a little more right Uh, you know but nowadays you can't i mean people people have seen everything right it's like it's like there's there's rarely stuff that shock people so you have to have that surprise that comes with, with your comedy. If there's no surprise, you know, people aren't going to laugh, you know, you just get, or yeah, you get people to go, oh, I love oh, the surprise coming, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have the surprise in there. Right. 
I feel like uh, I feel like we're not letting Rob into his own podcast. I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, I, I literally started laughing to myself at some point because I realized that this just just become a conversation between you. I kept wanting yeah. to say oh. things, and then there was no opening. <laughs> oh, Rob, oh, Rob's here! Hey, Rob! <laughs> and, and and it's so funny because Rob's one of like my favorite comics in Vegas. You know, like like uh, like he's he's, he's awesome. You know, I mean, seeing him do comedy is do you, is, is cool. Do you know why Rob is in Vegas, Jason? Because every time I move to a new city, Rob follows me to that city. I <laughs> oh, are you New York to L.A. and then all the yeah? No, I I'm I've been in Vegas for about three years. Oh, so okay, cool. Rob and I met in New York City, and mm-hmm. Which I followed you to New York, of course. <laughs> right, and then L.A. and I'm like, oh, there's, there's Rob O'Reilly, cool. And then I see Rob's Facebook, and he's in Vegas, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna move to the moon to see if Rob shows up like two days later. I'm just three years <laughs> behind you wherever you go. Um, That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so this is a lot of stuff cool. I, I didn't okay. know you were in Vegas, man. That's cool. I'm glad I'm glad you're here. That's cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, I've I've mostly been writing for other comics out here. I haven't done a lot of uh, shows out. I'm kind of mm-hmm. I'm 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 kind of like pee shy when it comes to shows right now. So and, and then you know the whole pandemic thing. Oh, so uh, no, I, I basically I had, wait what yeah <laughs> it's, it's crazy it, listen, if, I, if you look I outside <laughs> if you look outside you wouldn't know anything was going on yeah yeah you, you who would have thought who would have thought <laughs> so but yeah and I, w- I was so pissed because i had a, i had like i had like a r- right when the pandemic started like when they like shut everything down i had like a great like two weeks of comedy like you ever get those weeks where you're like oh my gosh i'm doing like you know this show and then i'm running to this show and then i you know and you're just like that's so awesome and then you know i was like oh damn it i had i was looking forward to that two weeks right there that was solid man yeah listen i had clients that were like hey can you write me jokes and i'll i'll trade you them for money and i was like great and then the pandemic hit they had no shows or income and that that's trickle down economics right there because i lost all my clients said temporarily hopefully yeah 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 i i think it'll it'll come back you know i mean the thing is is there's there's because you know me and my brother we've been talking about opening a comedy club you know we do a lot of stuff with like house of blues and live nation stuff like that and we've been talking about you know because the, well, you the have the time thing, for it yeah yeah well the first thing to come to come <laughs> back will probably be stand-up comedy right because it's it, you know it it doesn't there's not it's not a big production show where people can't socially distance it's not you know you know, one of these shows that needs a full audience, like you can run a comedy club on 30% house, you know, it's like, that was a lot the majority of, of my shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, Aaron it's used like, to run a club. Yeah, yeah, if you could put something cool like that together, I mean, I think, I think it would be a, a good little vibe. I've, I've thought of starting a comedy club too. And in fact, I was thinking about it a lot before the pan, like literally right before the pandemic. And then uh, when the pandemic started, I was like, oh God, thank God I didn't start it now. Because imagine mm-hmm. if like, you just started a club. And I'm sure that like no, the first I, year is really crucial. And then to mm-hmm. get totally wiped out by the pandemic would be horrible. I thought about that because, you know, I ran a club that, that Rob performed in a bunch in um, New York for like six years at, outside of Times Square. And then I almost, I put a down, uh, a down payment on, on opening, uh, my club was like in another club. And then I put a down payment on opening up my own club. And we, we decided, why are we even staying in New York? Even if we're doing well, we're always going to be struggling. And it's, you know, it's not good for our family here, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, holy shit, what if I was still in the, what if we opened that club up? I, I'd be fucked, you know? Yeah. So oh, I, I, no. I feel for the club owners. The children's show, Aaron. Jeez. Is it? Yeah. I, no, can I not no. say F? Okay. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. 
but Jason's a pastor, so. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, a I will have value I'm, I'm technically ordained, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's kind of BS. So I wonder, I wanted to, this is now very late in the conversation to respond to this, but Jason's talking about uh, like having students that are like breaking down every, you know, like the percentage of laughter. So I'm kind of like that. I'm kind of, I'm very left brain for a comedian, you know, most, you know, creative types are very right brain, but I, I literally started, I mean, I started when I was 16 and I started by like breaking down the types of jokes I would see on Comedy Central, right? I'd be like, okay, like this is the type of joke where a comedian uses personification to like, you know, give voice to an animal or like, this is the type of joke where a comedian exaggerates, you know? Mm -hmm. So I broke down all these like types of jokes and I like tried to come up with each type of joke. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then when I was, um, uh, you know, a little bit more into my career, like when I was basically performing at like Aaron's club, I was like 23 ish about, I would, um, I, every time I'd ever do a set and I was doing a lot of sets at that point in New York, um, probably going up about, I don't know, maybe like 12 times a week or so. And every time I do a set, I would write down every joke I did and I'd give a, a rating one, one mm -hmm. out of 10. I still kind of do this, but not to the extent, extent, but like, and then I would like create a database that was basically like the type of crowd it was like, so if it's like an old crowd, these are the, and so I would basically like mm. come, come up with like a very detailed, like ranking of my <laughs> jokes, oh, <laughs> like, wow. where they worked best. <laughs> like I was very analytical about it and other comics would always make fun of me and call me Dat Fan and stuff because Dat Fan famously did something similar on uh, the first season of Last Comic Standing. Mm -hmm. um, but, nice guy, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. He performed at your club too, right? Yeah, he was, he was like shooting a movie or something over his summer. So he was there all the time. I actually opened for him at uh, Ha Comedy Club. It was me, him, and, and Kate McCucci. And there was this big sold-out show. He hustled that show. Anyway, he was a, he was a really nice guy. Does he still do it? I wonder. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think so. I think he basically got like um, a lot of judgment from other comics because like – he was too green to have won the show. I think he won the show, right? Well, yeah, but so was Amy Schumer and, you know, she did fine and... No, I mean, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's totally stupid right. to like, be right. like, 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 basically it's jealousy, right? It's like be, people who have been doing it longer think that they should have won. Oh, I have a funny story about this section. So I went to a Last Comic Standing taping one time and it was, um, oh God, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, older gay comic he kind of recently came out like five years ago maybe Robert Riley. Uh, Todd Glass oh <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> so Todd Todd Glass uh was performing and his opponent was um like Tammy something Tammy Pescarelli is that her Pescarelli name? or something yeah something like that and so the way they taped that show last time standing is you would have um you'd have they'd each perform and then they'd say okay like the you know the the people at home are going to call in and vote for who, who wins or whatever. So they'd have to tape each outcome, right? Because mm. they don't actually know what the outcome's going to be. So okay, now, now we're going to, now we're going to tape, you know, um, Todd Glass's one. And then now we're going to tape Tammy winning. Right. So Todd Glass literally thought there was zero chance that Tammy was going to beat him. In this <laughs> so, so they go, oh, we're going to tape like Tammy, Tammy did win in real life. By the way. So they're like, and, it, and like so he comes out and he's like wow like tammy won? like did not like he's like being such a dick about it because he's like they're never going to use this 
funny yeah people i think comics get so you know i mean it's it's one of those things it's like comics get so upset like like you know if they feel like you know oh this person's getting ahead of me or whatever and you know my thing is i'm I'm like dude there's there's enough you want every comic to do good so people go man every comic's awesome let's continue booking comics right or let's let's have more clubs or let's have you know you know the demand goes up right when comedy sucks the demand goes down no one wants to see it right it's like dude i mean you want everyone to do well so that way it helps the the whole scene you know But, but some people have that that thing where it's like oh why are you doing this you know it's just like you know we had a sketch comedy show that we did um for about two years called television tv and um and uh you know people were always like well, well how did you get that how did you get that and i'm like because i busted my ass that's how i got that's, it. <laughs> that's my favorite joke in the world by the way and if you're my facebook friend you'll see me use it every once in a while it's just to write who books that no matter what mm-hmm. it is funeral what it's my own inside joke everybody hates it i still do it <laughs> I, I i think that the like the ultimate like the ultimate you could get as a comedian and, and really anybody in life is just not giving a shit about what other people think and certainly easier said than done. I wish I could do that. I can't, I can't. I have a major issue with that. You know, the voices in my head are like, oh, that's not funny. Oh, they're gonna hate you. They're not real people. It's just my own insecurities. And sometimes and if, hate, but... no, no, I have a ton of people that hate me. I mean, that's that's definitely true. New York, Chicago, LA, absolutely well, everywhere I go. Sometimes that voice in your head is me yelling at you, but yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what? oh, I'm not earplot in. That's it's actually Rob. Um <laughs> But if you can get to the point where you don't give a shit, I think I think the best performers in the world, and you know, it's not a hundred percent of the time, but like you hear stories about Prince, right? I'm sure Prince was a sensitive dude, but he literally did not give a shit. Weren't there stories about him opening for like, I don't know, the Stones or or whoever, and and people just fucking hated him, and he was like, eh, too bad. I'm I'm Prince. I'm still gonna do what I do, and he went out on his own, and he's and he's Prince. Well, he yeah, yeah. Prince. So yeah, that's an important that's thing. That's what I always strive for. Yeah, just to set just to set that aside, right? It's like you know, I mean, you know, when, when I first started doing comedy, it, you, I did a show out here called Tony and Tina's Wedding in Vegas. Sure. Um, and that, that, my, was, that started in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. My character's job, you know, was to sit there and bust the balls of the audience. Like I just went around and made fun of people. So I got really good at crowd work through that show, even though I wasn't even a comic back then, right? And then, um, so when I started doing comedy, my crush was always crowd work. You know, but it's like, literally, I could do, I could, you know, I mean, I've done, you know, corporate events where I go and, and do comedy and then, you know, I'll do 30 minutes of crowd work. 30 minutes of crowd work is way better than my actual set, <laughs> you know, but it's just one of those things like, like, cause you know, and I always have that in the back of my head where I'm like, or like, dude, do material, don't do crowd work, don't do crowd work because people judge you. It, you know, it's like, I, I just always have I that. I came into stand up in the same way. I started off doing uh, Second City and other stuff in Chicago. I did just a whole bunch of, uh, of improv shows. And some of the shows we would come out and talk to the audience and prepare bits to like introduce it. And then I actually produce some, some stand-up shows in Chicago. And when I moved to New York, I was like, I'm kind of burned out from improv and this is, you know, the best city in the world for comedy. Uh, although now it's Vegas that we're all here, you know, um, and just started giving stand-up a try. But for me, it was tougher because I was such an improv brain then when I started doing stand-up, I was like, I need to memorize everything. And all has to be, and I went through like a year of just like, if it wasn't, you know, perfect Carla and I memorized all my ums, you know, that it, to me, it wasn't a success. And I had to like wean myself off of that thinking. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just had, a, I had a knack for a while. It's like, you know, when I would start, 
you know, if, if I started out and it didn't go well, I would just immediately scrap everything and go to crowd work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just like, I'd be like, here's two jokes. Oh, nothing. Okay, cool. Let's talk. <laughs> like, that just, some, yeah, some crowds just, want that though. I, I literally just did a show on Friday where, um, Polaris seven and I had written, you know, cause it, it, it's, it's dangerous when I have like lot, lots of time off between sets. Cause I'm always writing. <laughs> so, so it just means I'm going to do like a ton of new jokes, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I had written like a month's worth of jokes and they were just bombing horribly. <laughs> and then I finally just was like, so what's going on in the audience? And I just like, <laughs> Let's talk like to you halfway guys. through my set, I just like started, I went from like bombing horribly to doing well, but it's cause I just like, you know, just like, all right, I'm going to give up on all these new jokes. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, you know, I mean, and, and this is one thing I, I learned, you know, I had a comic tell me this. It's like, you know, I went up on stage and, and you know, I, there was two shows that night and the first crowd killed it with my material. The second crowd, it just wasn't there. And I was like, damn, I just did the same exact thing. What? And, and the guy goes, look, this, this crowd wanted to be more a part of the show. So, you know, when your first few jokes don't work, go out in the audience, start talking to them a little bit, draw them in, then go back into your material. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That's a, that's a great thing to do. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of the best things I've, I, I learned as well. And, you know, but you also never know what is going on in the crowd. I mean, you guys, I'm sure that shows where it was pretty dead and then you stuck around and people came up and said, that was amazing. I loved your set. And you're like, where were you during the show? I, <laughs> Rob, was there, were there any shows at a place called Ye Old Triple Inn when you were in New York? Uh, doesn't I don't think so. Ye, it was a, no, it was a ye bar. Old tavern. Ye old tavern. I feel like I remember well, the name. This, ye old this tavern. one was a triple in, and it was a bar. And I, I, I was on the show. I was maybe like tenth. Everybody was doing like five, eight minutes, and everybody was bombing, like really bombing. All the comics were coming back into the the performer space, super pissed. And I got up on stage, and and nobody was responding. And so I went to crowd work, and I was like, okay, where are you from? And the person looked at me, was like, I was like, do you speak English? And they were like. <laughs> and I went to another person and it was the same thing. And what nobody had figured out was that it was a huge German tourist group. Right. I didn't even know a comedy show was happening. They sat down to have beer and there was no, yeah, there were no English speakers in the audience. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, when you, you got to be beginner comics to go several comics in and not know that everyone in the crowd yeah. is a German tourist. <laughs> when me and my wife were in New York, um, what, what was it like two years, three years ago, something like that. It, it was three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who books that? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah we, there was a there was a comedy club right there in towns in Times Square, um, and you know we were like, oh, okay, cool, let's let's go to this comedy club. You know, we didn't we had just gotten done with a seeing a show, so we're like, let's go to the comedy club. So we went up there. It was like twenty bucks or something like that. So we just sat down and watched it. Now this comedy club, every comic that went up, and there was probably like six comics I think on on the bill that night. Every single comic picked through the audience and asked the same exact question. Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? So by the time like the fifth comic got up there, we were like, you know, they'd be like, where are you from? I'm like, that guy's from Colorado. That dude's from right. Canada. It's like, you know, like the whole room knew exactly where everyone, because they all did the same exact crowd work. It's like, right. you want to work the crowd, fine, but at least ask something different. And it's like, they, they didn't even bother to watch each other's sets or anything to see what went on. I've probably yeah, tough. been guilty of that too. Cause a lot of times I go up and I haven't, like watch like I'll, I'll especially like in new york right where you're like going from set to set and it's like you show up <laughs> yeah. and like because i could tell sometimes you ask a question and everyone in the audience is like this again <laughs> it's like we just yeah, maybe, if you're in new york maybe if you're a comic going up at the comedy cellar you're there watching the show you know maybe but if you're just doing one of the other clubs and you're bouncing around even if you're not bouncing around it's tough to watch your 1000th show 
of people doing the same stuff. And you think it's super interesting all the time, but even exciting things get boring after a while. So it is tough to watch everybody all the time. So I think you kind of have to just build in, like you just know that people are going to say, where you're from, what do you do for work? Uh, you know, especially in Vegas, oh, where are you coming from? You know, it's, uh, you have to just, I think, just have other things built into your set. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. And I think that that's the key is just to, you know, I mean, especially if, if you're, you know, one of the, one of the comics, like when I, um, the, um, I was the host of the show at the Hilton for like a year and a half called Anthony Padilla after dark. Um, Anthony's a great guy and he does a lot of crowd work. So he always goes, don't do crowd work. <laughs> so you're like, yeah. okay, cool. But, you know, but at least he says that. So, you know, okay, headliner doesn't want you to do crowd work. I'll just not do it. You know? Um, it, you know, so, so you get that. And I think the thing with it, with that club in New York is, it looked like they had like, because afterwards when we walked out, they had like three, it looked like they had three rooms that they would just cycle the comics through. Like Wait, over do you remember over. the, do you remember the club? I can't remember the name of it, but it was literally. It was in Times Square. I'm guessing maybe it was, if it was three years ago, maybe it was either LOL or Ha. It doesn't sound like it was Caroline's. Caroline's just has one big room. Yeah, it, it was but, on the, it was on the second floor of like above something. Oh, yeah. and, I think, I think that's LOL. Is it? Yeah, I, yeah so. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, but, but they, they had multiple rooms and it looked like literally the comic would get off stage here and then go to the other room maybe or whatever. I, you know, I don't know, but I was like, wow, it was, it was how, how many times were you asked to buy comedy tickets as you were walking through Times Square? Oh, tons, tons, <laughs> tons. That was, first, that was my first gig in New York was uh, handing out flyers for a ha comedy cafe. And I, uh, I did that too. And then at one point, here's what happened with me and ha comedy <laughs> <laughs> I just tell the story. But so there was this other comic, I don't even know her name, but there's some female comic that her and I were from the same hometown, this tiny hometown, Bay Village, Ohio. So like we like bonded over that. And I thought we were friends over. So then one night, you know, so basically what what, what you do is you'd have to like like go what go out go out into Times Square, give out flyers for an hour, then you go to your set, you go do it all over again, right? And so at like one AM I go up to do five minutes in front of like four tourists you know <laughs> and I had I had notes with me so I uh had notes on stage right which is like kind of a no-no but again it's like I don't know I don't think it's that big a deal I don't think it's like unforgivable or anything but um so that girl she goes up to me and she goes or no no I know what happened so she was the host of the show and as I was walking up with my notes she took my notes and like like grabbed them out of my hand and like and then walked off and then I go off stage and I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, she's like, it's unprofessional. You should not have notes in your hand when you're, you're a, you know, when you're a comic. And I go, I go, it's hot cafe at 1am. Like relax. Like that's how I said, right? Yeah. But you know, Rob, you never know. You never know. Because, well, now listen, some people bring notes up, but like, you remember I, I had this small room. Wait, let, me, let, me, let me finish the story real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I yeah, think yeah. We're done. No, it's I'm just sorry. the real the ending is then. So then she went to the management and goes, do you know what he just said? He just said it's ha cafe, like as in like you know, like she, she wow, just said it. Up. So I go to the fucking so they, this club owed me a bunch of money because they're supposed to pay you for for barking, and so they owed me hundreds of dollars. I go to walk up, and this Italian, they're like basically like mafia people that run this club at the time. I don't know how it is now, but and then and he's like he's like, what's this I hear of you talking shit about ha cafe? He goes, get the fuck out of here. And I go, oh, uh, you know, my paycheck. At least he goes, get the fuck out. Of here. <laughs> and that's oh last time I was a hacker. <laughs> I think a lot of people had run-ins with that management. I don't think they're around anymore. 
Yeah. But uh, I know I had my life threatened by the same guy. <laughs> uh, kind of write a passage. You almost get by a taxi. You get, you know, your life threatened by the guy that owns Hot Comedy Club. But when I came back in with, with that fan, he was very, very, I don't know if he just forgot that he hated me, but he was very nice to me. Um, well, it sounds like, it well, sounds like he, he's kind of had confrontations with a lot of people. So I guess it's, it's easy to forget, like, when you've had so many confrontations, you're just like, oh, okay, maybe uh, I don't know if I missed this dude or not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, that, that's me. Some people hate me, and I'm like, I don't remember who you are. I'm sorry. Well, Jared, this, what were you going to say uh, a minute ago about the... Oh, well, you know, I mean, so I met my wife doing stand-up in New York. You remember Shannon, right, Rob? Of course, yeah. And... Um, my Gucci, you know, there was, takes, or my Gucci only takes Gucci. That's their only joke. Yeah. Oh, that I'll tell that you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Shannon. I'm a fashion sexual. Um, so uh, there was a night. It was like a Tuesday night in February. It was raining. There were like four people in in the audience. It was like a maybe a seventy seat room if we really stretched it. And it's just one of those nights where you're like, this uh, being a comedian sucks, you know. But what I knew that the other comics didn't know is that. Uh, a scout from TRL, you know, MTV's TRL came in and said, hey, I'm from TRL. We're looking to um, have like three comics for th this like Russell Brand is, is going to judge this competition before he hosted the MTV Movie Awards or whatever he was doing. And she's like, do you mind if I come in? And I'm like, yeah. And so I basically told everybody, I didn't want to freak him out. I was like, try your best stuff tonight. And some of the comics did and some of the comics didn't. We had a lot of comics going like, Psh four people, this sucks. And, you know, I told Shannon, who was my, my girlfriend at the time, and now we're married with, with three kids, which is why you should never date comedians. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I just said, hey, you know, uh, it's important, just do your set. And she did it, and, and she ended up uh, being on the show. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and I think that's a cool thing to, you know, to give people a heads up and stuff like that. You know, I mean, and when I first, the first time I auditioned for the Laugh Factory in L.A., um, you know, I, I was kind of miffed because like the owners weren't there to kind of approve anybody, right. <laughs> you know, like, like there's literally no one there that could approve you to be. And I'm like, why am I? Cause it literally like you, you go there on like a Tuesday, you sign up for the next week, right. For, to, to go and, and do like the open mic or whatever. So, you know, for me, I had to drive down there twice, <laughs> you know, from Vegas. So it was like, okay, you know, and then I got there and, and I'm, and I'm ready to do my set. And my set went over pretty well. And I was like, there's no one freaking here that can approve me. But, you know, but then I was like, well, at least, you know, I met some cool people and you never know, maybe someone's here to say, you know, that's the one solace that I took in it where I was like, maybe you never know, <laughs> you know, you, you just never know. I, yeah. I will say that specifically for me and my style, I feel like I'm funniest when I'm really loose. And sometimes the, literally the, fu the funniest I am on stage is when I'm reacting to how my new joke didn't do well or something. And I can think of two times in my life where I went up and there was, someone very important in the audience, but I didn't know. And like, thank God I didn't know because like I was loose and I just did my new material and I ended up getting something from, and if I had known that probably would have gone up and like been really like rehearsed sounding and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're, you're um, definitely like so. a loosey goosey on stage for sure. <laughs> That's well, what I, call I, me. I think audiences love that, you know, loosey because it's honest, right. right? Like, like, yeah. like when, when something doesn't go over well and you just go, Oh, that didn't work. You know, it's like people just, you know, I mean, like you're in it together, that. you know? Yeah. Like instead yeah, of them I, feeling embarrassed for you, they're like, like, oh, okay, he's at least he like is self-aware, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the thing, like going back to teaching, it, it, there's a professional way to bomb. Not, not that like, you know, having one joke not go over is bombing, but mm -hmm. you get in front of a crowd who does not like any of your material. And yeah, you, you can go into crowd work, but 
you know, I've definitely had conversations about how just the night was weird and it wasn't going well. And everybody had a good time with that, even though they didn't like any of my material. And, mm -hmm. and then you have other comics and, you know, I went through this phase and I, a lot of comics I've seen gone through this phase where if the audience doesn't like them, they explode and they get super pissed and they ruin, they basically ruin the show for everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and that, that's really bombing. It's like when yeah. you can't handle the crowd, not liking you, Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. and, 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 yeah. Some, and, and by the way, some crowds are just, are just terrible. Yeah. There really yeah. are bad yeah. crowds. You know, the, the audience doesn't, doesn't want you to go up there and be like, and be like, yeah, you guys suck. You guys aren't laughing at anything or what, yeah. you know, they, you know, I, you know, and, and I always, you know, I tell my students, I'm like, look, I'm like, the audience is in whatever state you're in, it, you know? So, so it's like, if, if you, if you go up on stage and you're, and you're super nervous, they get nervous for you and no one wants to laugh at someone. They're there to laugh with someone, you know, it's, it's like, the, you know, the, there's a difference, <laughs> you know? So I've, I've definitely performed in front of a bunch of crowd that uh, wanted to not just laugh at you, but, but kill you. <laughs> <laughs> was it was that the, was that the, the Italian guy's family in New York? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I I've been attacked on stage, but that was uh, that was improv though. I, I got hit with a chair, uh, so but that I, was a stand-up. I just thought of a story about me bombing that involves you, Aaron, and I probably shouldn't oh. tell it, but I'll tell it anyways. Okay. So, this one time I was at your club, and um, the there was this guy in the audience that was just really pissing me off. He was wearing a Yankees hat, and he was like heckling me. He's basically like, and so then I finally got to the point where I was like, all right, like I got to get out of here. You know, like I'm about to sell my last joke type thing. And he starts being like, like clapping that I'm about to leave. <laughs> and I got so mad about it. Exactly what you're not supposed to do as a comic, basically like get yeah. mad at you. But when I was um, leaving, when I was walking off stage, I went like this and I knocked his Yankees hat off his head. Wow. And, um, and you were there and you saw it and I, and I thought, you know, you were the booker of the show and I thought, oh no, what have I done? Like, he's never going to book me again. He's going to be mad at me, you know? And then I went up to you and talked to you and you were like, you were like, Hey man, just be careful. <laughs> like you, you weren't mad at me at all. You were just kind of like, you're like, don't get your ass kicked. <laughs> wow. It's the only story where I was actually cool at the end. That's, that's great. I've, I've, I don't want to say, I don't want to say who it was, but I've had, um, Definitely. We had, you know, we were in New York City. Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to say who it was, but I, I've, <laughs> we, we've had major comics. I had a major comic come into the club and get really super pissed that somebody was talking um, and then physically remove the person, except it was the wrong person. Oh, my. Oh, and yeah. so they, they like physically lifted the person up and, 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 and removed them from. I literally think of only one comic who could. Have well, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, well, okay, well, so Mike there's some Becky comics. <laughs> there's like a, two comics that are strong enough to lift someone. <laughs> they're, they're, I, I'll tell you off show, but there, there are comics that um, are strong. Oh, should we start the are. podcast? I haven't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is it over at this point or aren't we done? <laughs> we never got to jokes, but it's, this has been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you guys want to do like one round of jokes? Yeah, sure. Whatever you want. Dude. I don't know if you guys, I have no time constraints, but I'm guessing Jason does. He's in a freaking suit right now. Yeah, yeah. Jason's every yeah, minute I, scheduled. Yeah, I have about, I have, I have like till, till like 2.15, so I'm, I'm up for whatever. Oh, two, okay, 2.15. Two, okay. I've been sheltering in place since mid-March, so I have probably until February of 21. You know, whenever <laughs> the vaccine comes out, then I'm going to be busy again. 
here's yeah. a, here's a question that I that I kind of wanted to to ask you guys about and post to you guys since you guys are kind of you know comic veterans and stuff like that is um it because it, you know I, I've been talking to a few other friends and they were like with the pandemic it's been so much more difficult to write comedy um is that yeah. something you guys have experienced as well why what but why because Just they're not performing writing um e either because you know it's you're not in your regular element like you know it's like you know some people are used to like going out and chatting with people and stuff like that and you know i mean i always i always come up with the best stuff usually later at night like after i've been out and just you know been hanging out with people and you have that stimulus of talking back and forth with people and then you come home and then you're just like oh let's write some comedy and then it's just dialed in it, you know okay. but for you know and and i think you know there's some people that write like that but it, maybe it's a mix of depression maybe it's a mix of other things i don't know but it seems like i think it's a lot of things but I think one of the things you're seeing, like when Rob goes, why? Rob, you don't have kids, right? No. I've got, I've got a nine-year-old, a three-year-old, and a nine-week-old. And, you know, I have my office. I work best in the mornings. And everybody's here. Nobody's going to school. Nobody's going out. Nobody's doing anything. So mm -hmm. for me, it's really tough. And I, um, I found out that I have ADHD. Like I was diagnosed a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, that, that explains everything. You know, <laughs> uh, everything. And so I actually experimented with like an experiment. I got a prescription, you know, for Adderall and everything <laughs> like that. And I went off it because I was able to like figure out how to sit in my office and write. And I literally, I turned the lights off, you know, and, and I have my, my noise canceling headphones in. And tomorrow I'm starting the Adderall again, just so I can get like three hours of productivity in and, and write. So for me, it's been impossible because uh, yeah. it's just too many I distractions. I, uh, so I have a question about that because I, I have ADHD too. I've never been diagnosed, but I, I read what I'm like, I literally have every, <laughs> every, you know, you take all the boxes. Her, so, so does Adderall, like, does Adderall really help? Because I've never used it, but I, um, I do, well, I, I will say that lately I've started, um, using like THC basically to write mm -hmm. and it's really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Like it really gets I, my creativity well, going. Somebody in my family was diagnosed and as I was um, sitting there listening to, like the symptoms, I'm like, um, that's uh, that's me. I, that, every single symptom you just said, they're like, well, it's, yeah, it, it runs in families. And, and so I said, okay. So I ended up um, talking to my GP, general practitioner, for those of you that don't understand abbreviations and letters and stuff. And um, she, she said, okay, well, we're not going to like clinically diagnose you, but it sounds like you have it. I'll tell you what, here's a prescription for Adderall. If you don't have ADHD, you're going to be bouncing off the walls for like 48 hours. If you have ADHD, it's going to have like a calming effect and you'll be able to concentrate. And about 20 minutes after I took uh, the first pill, it was like the first time in my life that I felt calm. It, and, and I was very content, very calm. And I also like spent nine hours on Facebook that day because, you know, they have a saying pills don't make skills. And, you know, I had to learn how to be productive and like, and like point my productivity at actual work. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, it, it kind of messed me up physically. It was great mentally, but physically I felt like crap. So I, I had to get off it and, and just start to try to do things on my own. But yeah, I, w I would say that for me, it was extremely helpful. How did it physically mess you up? It's, it's interesting that you guys bring this up because, because um, <laughs> I just, I, I have, I have an autoimmune disorder. I have Crohn's disease and, um, and I got diagnosed. Look, look at uh, this guy one upping us. <laughs> he's like oh you think you have a disorder <laughs> oh adhd how cute yeah. um, i fine. shit fire three times a week <laughs> um but uh no i uh so you know 
when when I first got diagnosed, you know, I was really depressed and I was really thin and just ill. So th they sent me to like a therapist. Um, you know, I, I went to the therapist a few times and that was it. And then I just kind of moved on with my life. So I've had this new doctor the last like three years and she's been great. Um, but I, I've had this cough since like January that they just haven't been able to get rid of. It's like more allergy based. And, uh, so I met with her the other day and I was like, Hey, uh, online. And she goes, Hey, did you know, um, you went to like a therapist like 15 years ago? And I go, Oh yeah. She goes, um, you, you have a, you have ADD. And I go, wait, what? And she goes, she goes, yeah, it's, it says that, that, you know, that it's possible that you have this, but you never really finished up all the, all the therapy. And I was like, um, I didn't know this, <laughs> you know, you, no, have, you have 18 jobs. Okay. It's pretty obvious that you have ADHD. So yeah. Yeah. So, so she goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, so, um, she goes, so I, I, I kind of want to refer you to a therapist to at least see if we can, you know, if we can see what this is or what this therapist thought or whatever. So I'm actually, um, you know, in two weeks going to a therapist about that. So it's kind yeah, of, I mean, there, there's no, you know, they, they, there's no like blood test or anything, you know? So it's like, they kind of ask questions and, and it's, it's their opinion, but, but Rob, to answer your question, like my uh, blood pressure went up and I just, uh, I, I just always felt like my heart was racing and I just didn't like it. But uh, I'm at the point now where I'm like, let's try the lowest dose and see if I can handle that because it really, really helped me be uh, productive. And I'm just trying to think if there's anything. I have my gallbladder it, removed. That's, uh, are you still creative when you're on it? Because I guess one of my yes. concerns would be, yeah. No, in fact, I do a lot of online broadcasting. And, and like there was like a three-year period where that was my, uh, my job. Like, I made my living doing like comedy online. And when I started taking the medication, and I, I tried a whole bunch because you, generally you don't get it on the first try. I would go online and I would do a broadcast and see if I was still quick and if I was still with it and still myself. And the answer was yes. It just got rid of a lot of bullshit that was clogging up my head. Hmm. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've known people that, that, you know, have abused Adderall that, that have just been like, dude, I need to focus. And they just like take it and you're like, what? Like that's, is, is that a and thing? I, and I was so square when it comes to drugs. Like in college, everybody I knew was abusing Adderall. And it, I, I was offered it. I was like, no, I don't, I don't do anything. I'm a good guy, you know? And, uh, and if I would have, a, you know, abused it, I would have diagnosed myself about 20 years earlier. It was like, why am I calm when the rest of you guys are freaking out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it, that's, that's so interesting that it got brought up like that. Because I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's, that's crazy. I'm, I'm curious about that. It's, right, it's well, overdiagnosed, but it doesn't mean that a lot of people don't have it. You yeah, know? but, but did, did you did you get like anxiety from it? Did it like did you feel like like really anxious and everything from the medication? Or yeah, no, medication. I, I I just have an anxiety disorder in general. So oh. uh, you know everything. I I by the way, I I was preparing for the pandemic in January. That's that's the good thing about having an anxiety disorder. I was you at Costco with like a huge people like, what are you doing? I'm like, you you just wait. You don't understand. I had toilet paper. My butt's going to be clean. <laughs> it didn't make me jittery. No. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Not, or, or, or anxious. It didn't make me jittery. It's sometimes, no, it didn't make me anxious. It sometimes made me jittery. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and press record and we'll start up. Um, this is recording, isn't it? Oh, this is a joke. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. I just like the idea that we've been talking for an hour and I'm like, let's just go ahead and start this podcast. Um, people are gonna go. What is this about? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my best podcast. Yeah, hey guys with ADD. Uh -oh. and <laughs> I think I think the premise of the podcast is just a starting point, and then uh, 
you know you you got great uh, guests too yeah i mean aaron was great jason all right so (laughs) (laughs) it makes it seem if you don't laugh and i say something mean like that it makes it feel like um so he's like if, if, so if you make a joke about someone and they don't laugh it's like ooh, did he he's like ooh, he thought i was serious what an asshole <laughs> um, <laughs> the job. um all right i'll go ahead and start us off all right and then we'll okay we'll see how many rounds of this we go through probably one cool. i would get us because we've only got 10 minutes um so when you're in a relationship and uh here's a here's a here's a tip for the fellows in the audience when you're in a relationship and your girl says, wait, are you serious? The answer is always no. I was just kidding. Because what's happened here is you've said something that your girlfriend or wife thinks is so stupid <laughs> that she thinks you'd have to be kidding or else she has lost respect for you. Like this happened recently. I'm like, uh, hey, uh, maybe we could just reuse the bacon grease to uh, cook the popcorn in. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> No, of course not. <laughs> Why would we use perfectly good bacon grease as a cooking oil when we can use the store-bought stuff that doesn't have as much flavor? Of course. Yeah, it was just, ah, just totally joking. All right, that's the joke. <laughs> I mean, and See, bacon I, is I, good with anything, isn't it? Like oh, I, I actually thought it was a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I want you to the turn it around way. at the end almost, you know, where – because because we all know that's where it's going. You're like, no, no. I, I mean, you just told us. You know, you're like, right. oh, I'm gonna deny it, and then you deny it, and that's so. It's like, okay, you, you kind of just told us that. Right, right, right. I'd love to see the the girlfriend in that joke um, come back and go, oh, because I thought you were like a fucking genius. You know. And, oh yeah. Uh-huh. And you, and and you could have won, but you denied it. So now, if you say, and, and you can even go further, you know, oh, okay. So now, if I take credit for it, she's gonna think I'm a. Uh, uh, a win for not standing my ground and if i don't get take credit for it, i don't get the credit for you know, something like that so i always like like jason was saying i always like the um the curveball the surprise you know somewhere in yeah. there yeah 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 i know what you mean so i i always feel like with uh setting up a joke like i always feel when i'm writing a joke i'm like i don't want to over set it up you know like where it's so obvious where the joke is going but then i also feel like with with comics we feel that way but with actual audiences like it's it's almost hard to not like like audiences are are pretty uh they don't see jokes coming as much as comics do right so it's like they're like when you kind of overset something up in your head you're like like to them it's like enough of a setup you know i don't know if that makes sense yeah um to to me when, when i'm teaching my students i say look here's your setup it's all the information the audience needs to know but you'll notice i didn't say it's all the information that you have because comics just go on and on and on and on. And I always use the chicken joke, you know, why the chicken cross the road. I say, you know, my, my mom and I were eating tacos. We were in New Mexico. It was this street. It was this time. We went to the <laughs> corner. We saw a chicken. Why the chicken cross the road? I was like, we don't need any of that stuff. So to me, it's always like boiling it down to the essential, its essence, but then adding your personality back onto it. Right. No, I agree. I was actually, yeah. I was, it reminds me of something I was thinking earlier in this podcast that I didn't bring up, but I, I have, you know, uh, more recently before the pandemic, but like just sat in comedy shows, not performing on them, like, which was like almost like the first time I'd done it in my life. Cause I started doing stand up when I was 16. So like whenever I'd go to a show is cause I was on the show, you know, and you get a really different perspective when you're just in the audience, as opposed to like being on the show, especially cause 
like you're getting drunk most likely and most of the audiences I was usually at a show and you realize that when you're drunk in an audience like you always are kind of like playing 15 seconds of catch up in your head of like mm -hmm. wait what did the comic just say right and then like so then you're kind of like rewinding it to try to get what the punchline was and stuff and I realized because as the comic you forget that right and you're going up there and you're thinking okay I'm just gonna be really quick and to the point and like I don't need to set the, up this joke and you're like why isn't the audience laughing it's like sometimes because it's like you're just going so fast that the audience like needs a breather you need to just like either slow down not necessarily give like you said like superfluous information but just like slow down and let the audience like catch up to where you are but there's definitely an art in being patient and waiting you know like i, I don't know if you guys have seen um I, I don't think the show's open right now but when marsha warfield was doing a like comedy club i think it was every thursday night i went a couple of times and she first of all she's really nice and a great veteran comic been doing it for decades and the thing that I was most impressed about um, was she had this, she had a drink and she used the drink to such great timing effect. Like sometimes she would, she would pause after a joke and take a drink or she wouldn't, or she would almost take the drink. And it was this, this timing thing that allowed her to be kind of doing something. And I just thought it was, was brilliant. And I, I don't, I, I assume she knows she was doing it. Or maybe she's been doing it for so long she was just doing it, but it allowed the audience the time and 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 just the way she was holding and looking got got laughs from time to time. So I thought that was uh, that was really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I just saw her recently too. It's funny because I was backstage with her before the show and she was like talking about a new idea, <laughs> and it, like it, it didn't seem thought out at all. Like it's just it's like about like paying too much for kids tuition or something and uh she she goes up and like just kills with it because she's like all personality right so it's, it's like all how she delivers so like it kind of doesn't even matter what the joke is like she's just like if she's annoyed about something <laughs> it's like the audience <laughs> is gonna laugh basically <laughs> well that that's the whole thing when people say to you um is it better to be a good performer or is it better to have uh, good material and me my answer is always it's better to be a good performer because you'll make the material, I mean, it's, it's great to have both, by the way, but a good performer will make okay material go over. And a, a, a crappy performer, even with good material, is, is not gonna hit with the audience, most likely. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> uh, yeah. All right, Aaron, you wanna tell a joke? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said it's in. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, you have until 2.15, Jason, do you wanna Jason, go? You, yeah, you go first, because you have to get yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll go, um, okay. So th this is something I, I wrote like towards the beginning of the pandemic. So I, I don't know, I haven't read it in a minute, but this is kind of the thing. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> um, I don't get how you have a flag, uh, how, how you have a Nazi flag or a Southern, or a Southern flag um, at, at protests, um, because basically you're raising the flag of a loser. It, um, <laughs> um, when you, you know, uh, People, they always say, oh, you're such a snowflake to the other to the other political side. But at the end of the day, what's more snowflakey than being like, hey, I lost the war. I still want to wave my flag. Um, and then what's the other piece here? Oh, um, um, oh, the, the only place the a Confederate flag should be waved is at a Civil War reenactment. But why do they even have those? I mean, who wants to every year they celebrate a time when they got their ass kicked? Who wants to do that? I don't, go, I don't sit there and go, hey, I don't go back to my high school every year and go, hey, this is a part in gym class where I got my ass kicked. What, maybe, uh, that's, I especially like the beginning of it, 
Maybe, maybe it would be like having a um, uh, a Washington what is it? A Washington Generals reenactment. Do, do you know the Washington Generals? Yes, yes, yes. Uh -huh. I, I think maybe you'd have to say Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. You know, it'd be like having a, a Harlem Glo Globetrotters reenactment, except you're the Washington Generals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how too in the weeds that is for people, but I love the premise too. I thought. Um... My first thought was uh, it'd be like waving a Browns flag because I'm a Browns fan and I, oh, do, yeah. I do literally have Browns gear and it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, hey, like we were always, yeah. So it'd be <laughs> yeah. like if I was like, hey, let's reenact uh, the fumble when uh, Ernest Biner like, um, or like any countless famous Cleveland losing moments. Yeah. Michael Jordan shot to win the. Yeah, or it's kind of like yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like when you know it's like it's like you know you're literally waving the flag of the losing team. It, you know, it's kind of like when you go to the sports store. You know, you see all the losing teams on the discount rack. <laughs> they're never, they're never. You know, the you know the Patriots never seen a Patriots jersey on the, on the discount rack ever. The the one thing I would say though is when you had that part of the joke where you said, "What's more snowflake than flying a losing flag?" I actually think it's the opposite. Like, mm -hmm. if not that I'm saying like people should fly Nazi flags or anything, obviously, but if you still support the losing side, aren't you more hardcore? Like, wouldn't the snowflakes be more more bandwagon jumpers? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, I was just I was trying to associate it with like with like okay, you know, they say snowflakes are delicate. Snowflakes are so delicate and they get triggered so easily. But it's like with these guys, you know, they're they're like, oh, we lost, you know, but but we still want to raise our flags. I mean, don't take away our flags. Those are our flags. We like those. You know, it's like every country that has ever lost a war, like like on a big scale has changed their flag. I mean, Germany doesn't still have the Nazi flag. Japan doesn't have the same flag they had in World War II. <laughs> you know, it's like these things don't, you know, it's like these are the only ones that just stick around. Yeah, it was like that, that uh, soldier who, I forgot what island he was on, but there was a soldier from World War II that was still fighting in the jungles until like the 1970s because he didn't believe oh. that it was actually over and didn't get the information. And, you know, yep. and so that, again, that would be like the, the antithesis of, of Snowflake. But I, I see where you're going with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool. It, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I just kind of had that thought because I saw, because, you know, I saw an, an article of, of, you know, the, the um, when people were protesting like the stay at home order in Chicago and there was a Nazi flag and a Southern flag. And you're like, wait, why is a Southern flag in Chicago? <laughs> like, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I don't exactly, you know, you, you know, if, if you ask me where certain things are, I might not know exactly where they are, but I'm pretty sure Chicago's not in the South. I'm just saying. I, I was doing a broadcast and this guy was talking to me and he's, I see he's from uh, Illinois and, and somebody tells me, they look at his profile, they go, yo, he's a, a, a Nazi. And I go, are, are you a Nazi? He's like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm a Nazi. And I was, so I was able to legitimately say, I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> and it was one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> it was um, one of the best moments ever. <laughs> Jason, I was thinking for your joke, like what if you made your example more personal? So like, um, or I, I guess already personal, I guess, but if you said like, uh, yeah, it'd be like if I had a flag that commemorates um, my part in the argument with my wife about how we shouldn't have kids. <laughs> There's some, like an argument that you, you clearly lost. You know? To the beginning of the show, but where I talk about, you know, you know, a few different things, you know, where I kind of like, you know, talk about like how, 
you know, it's, it's how difficult it is being a father. So that would actually work out. That kind of. And then, and then the flag is like a, like a circle with an X through it with a baby. And you're like, my kids hate that shirt or flag or whatever. <laughs> kids hate that flag that hangs up in our living room. <laughs> they, they resent it. Yeah. They, did the, remember when I gave you a line about like your wife's childbirth being like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I actually about? That. did that line work? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've used it twice. Once it got a laugh, and then the second time it got like a, oh. <laughs> what, what's the joke? Um, I, I talk about, um, let's see, I, I talk about my, my, uh, my kid, and I, and I go, um, you know, it's, it's really hard. Um, you know, be, being a parent is, is you know, is, it's really crazy. Uh, or, or no, uh, what, what's the line exactly? Um, being a, being a uh, gosh. It, it, it's like the third part of my Rusty. thing. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, uh, Wasn't it that your wife was? Oh, I talk about having a kids when when my wife um um she has a kid. Uh, what, what a baby! What the hell? How does how the hell does it go? I can't remember how it goes. But it's it's something. But his, his idea was um was was when the baby comes out you know like like the size of the baby like my penis isn't the size of a bit oh i talk about butt stuff i go i go you know my wife got mad at me when she was in labor and she looked back at me and she goes i can't believe you did this to me and i go hey i just wanted to do butt stuff and you said it was going to hurt too bad so the question is which is going to hurt more you know i mean last time i checked i like to feel like i'm pretty well hung but i'm not an eight pound eight pound ten ounce baby (laughs) 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 that that, that was kind of that was rob's little tag on it (laughs) that's funny yeah, yeah, it's a fun little, fun little bit, but but yeah, the 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 you know I want to do butt stuff thing is always a a good little a good little laugh. How many times do I hear that a day? Yeah, <laughs> so many times. So and our Gucci times. only takes or Gucci only takes Gucci. <laughs> right, I had to get a I had to get mine covered in leather. Hey, who um, that by the way? Did your wife do perform? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I do. Uh, hit me up after the show. <laughs> Shannon's Gucci. Who books that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm getting right. so nervous because Jason said 215 is 218. I know. Yeah, Jason. Adios, mi amigo. Have fun. At your All right. Job. Well, definitely. If you guys want to have me on, I would love to. This is so much fun. This is a blast. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. I, you're welcome every week. Not right. show, but. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thanks, guys. It was it was great chatting with you and and uh, fun fun. Uh, you know, taking up the majority of this with uh, just. Yeah. Talking. Thanks for cutting out before my joke. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. My my, my bad. My bad. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. See you. <laughs> All right, Aaron. All right, that guy's gone. Uh, that was awkward. No, just kidding, Jason. Um, <laughs> I have all these things written down, and I, so, but him telling his joke reminded me of um, a joke that I have. Um, you know, ch- childbirth is hard. You know, I remember uh, there's my wife, you know, uh, there's my wife. What, what did I say? There's my wife on a table, doctors and nurses all around. She's screaming. There's blood. My wife literally shit on the table. And that was just us conceiving the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No notes. <laughs> no, no notes. Great joke. <laughs> it's, it's a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, what, you, can't, you can't fix perfection. Let me find a, a terrible joke then, or a worse joke. Um, dirty or goofy? 
Uh, dirty is my expertise, I suppose. But up right, to let's you. do it. Um, my wife thinks I'm gay. Is it my fault I love her cock? <laughs> it's, it feels, feels kind of 2004 or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, why? I'm not saying that I'm a good comedian. <laughs> uh, I'm not gay. I don't suck dick for the same reason I don't ride roller coasters. I don't want to. And the line's always too long. And I always throw up after. I don't like the way I look at the picture they take at the climax. Just well, sorry, on like I, this is a good example of slow down. What, what was the beginning? You, you're not? Oh, I said, I, I'm not gay. I don't suck dick for the same reason I don't ride roller coasters. I don't want to. A, and then I, then I got kind of mentally cut up on you saying there's a line. Why would there be a line for sucking dick? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's not a, a 100% <laughs> real. I know, but I think sometimes even, I, it's probably just me, but sometimes even like little things that don't add up to me, like, Take me out of a joke. I'm like, what? No, the audience is always trying to figure out what's going on. So that's a, yeah. that's a, maybe that's a reason that why nobody ever laughs at this joke. I don't know. Uh, all right, but what were the other examples? Give it, give it to me again. Oh, I, and I always throw up after. And I don't like the way I look in the picture they take at the climax. Uh, that's that's where I stopped. And um, the people behind me are always mad. I'm throwing my arms in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I want to do like clean material, you know, like I always want to do like clean, yeah. longer form material. I, I'm always going back and forth in my head about, you know, what I want to do on stage. No, I get it. Because for me, I, I feel like I have all my best jokes are about sex, but then uh, I think, well, I can't get on TV with them or whatever, but I'm thinking, well, is yeah. that like an outdated way of thinking? Because in 2020, comedy is about like finding your niche audience, you know? So it's like, yeah. Um, you know, like I, I've been writing, I don't know if you can see in back of me, I don't have anything written down, but what I did was on my wall, I got like a seven foot tall dry erase board. Um, you know, it's, it's like a sticker. And so I got, I have neon, uh, things and I can write down all my, my jokes and ideas. I was teaching a class online before, so I erased it so people wouldn't see like all the, all the, <laughs> the crazy shit in back of me. Mm -hmm. But I've been writing mostly about marriage and you know stuff like that it's 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 less short form dirty stuff i guess um but i don't know um yeah well i just killed i killed the uh, podcast right there <laughs> you can tell me whatever you want we we're still doing well all right, you want me to do, go real quick? Do, do, do you have another one that you want to yeah. do? Or is it... Yeah, I'll do another one. Um, so I feel like when I'm high, um, it's... Uh, <laughs> like when, when I'm high, I feel like the sober version of me is like a different person. Like it's like a, like a roommate that I'm leaving notes for. I'm like, hmm. all right, I got to write down this joke idea or else sober Rob is going to be mad at me for forgetting it. And as you can probably imagine, I wrote this joke well, hi. I was like, I got to make sure that I write this down. But then while sober, then sober Rob saw the joke and was like, this isn't funny. <laughs> hi, Rob. Thought it was the funniest joke ever. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great concept. I mean, I, I would want to hear some of the notes. Yeah. Mm. 
you know, like you, you, you wake up and you find some post-it notes and yeah, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of, a lot of jokes about comics getting high writing jokes and then they don't make any sense when they're sober. Right. So I don't know if I'd want to hear joke ideas, but maybe just some, some like real life advice that high Rob gives sober Rob. Um, you know, maybe one of them would be like, get high more. Mm. I mean, they, they could all be like just brilliant philosophical musings, but they could also maybe be like trying to convince you just to get high well, more. So the it, whole is comes out. Is this funny? Cause this is a, an actual note that I gave myself once. Um, do birds have sex? <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. I mean, you know, so, some jokes are just in the delivery, you know? Yeah. So yes, I can see that going over for sure. I need to be a fat black woman who takes a drink. Um, <laughs> I need to have a shtick. I need to have a gimmick, Aaron. I need you to have... Do have a gimmick. I mean, don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you can, you, you know, you, you, you've had a persona for a long time. What's my persona? I didn't know that. Oh, fuck. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, no, but it's exactly. but it is like the hardest thing. No, but like when I think Rob O'Reilly, uh, yeah, I can't say like uh, angry garbage man, you know. But <laughs> but I, I definitely like think of like a particular thing when I think of you. I also saw you do comedy a while ago, so I don't know if you're the same Rob on stage now as you were before. Yeah, I don't know either, to be honest. I think you know what honestly, I think that my comedy's pretty similar but I think because I look a little bit different like I used to have like long hair you know and I was younger obviously and you you looked like John Lennon yeah so I think that changes how the audience perceives my joke and so that's kind of like made certain jokes kind of not work and work over the years and then it's kind of like shifted it now I feel like I'm more like almost like Daniel Tosh than it and then whereas I used to be more like Woody Allen so it's like I'm like kind mm -hmm. of there's been like a slow changing of it but Gosh, I have um, uh, really tried to stop myself from saying that every time I saw you, you had a, a new Asian girlfriend. And, <laughs> and then you talk about Woody Allen, and it's just impossible not to say anything. Um, funny, yeah, that is probably pretty true. It, it, I remember every time I'd introduce a girl to you, you'd kind of like smirk, like you're like, like you were like trying not to laugh about it. <laughs> well, part of it too is I have absolutely no memory for faces or names. And it's always, it's always embarrassing. The same girl to you, bro. Well, yeah, no, and it has nothing to do. It's not a racial thing. It's like I don't remember ninety percent of the people that I meet. Right. You know, pe people are like, "Oh, Aaron, what's it?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know how I know this person." And and, I, and I'm always embarrassed. You know, in in the last couple of years, especially since I, I knew I have ADHD, and that's one of the reasons why it's tough for me. I've just given up, and I'm just like, I'm just I'm just gonna own it and just be like, I I don't remember anybody. I'm sorry. Um, which I'm sure makes a lot of people feel really great about themselves uh, and about me. But yeah, you, you were like this lanky, you were like this lanky, goofy kid, except that your, your comedy was like super sharp and, and really well written. And, and I remember pretty biting and, I, and it was great. I mean, you were definitely, you were definitely a comic that I really liked having on the show for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know what happened either, but. <sighs> I used to have talent. Um, How about uh, some people are cat people, some people are dog people. I'm a Jew. <laughs> Is there like a next part to it? Like so then? No, have... that's it. That's the whole thing. 
Yeah. Uh, people are going to watch this and be like, yeah, that's why Aaron doesn't do club comedy anymore. Um, let's see here. Did I, did, did we talk enough about your joke? I don't want to, I don't want to just skim over it. Yeah. Honestly, 90% of why I tell a joke to someone else is just to like, literally for me to say it out loud. Yeah. Oh, I have, I have always appreciated that over, over meals and stuff. So you have another joke? material on me. Yeah. So I think it's funny how with, um, you know, whenever someone gets like accused of something, right? Like, uh, being racially insensitive or being uh, sexually aggressive to women or like whatever, like when people get canceled for whatever reason, I feel like people always retroactively like decide that they knew it all along, you know, mm -hmm. like no matter who the person is, like, like for instance, like everybody loves like Conan O'Brien. Right. But if like it came out tomorrow that Conan had like been sexually harassing his interns or something, everybody'd be like, I knew it. I knew. he rubs his nipples before every, at every you know during every mm -hmm. show so funny he's obviously a predator yeah conan's a good choice because it, you know, it's, it's almost hard to pick somebody that it, nobody would think was anything you know and conan is, is basically like as pure as snow mm. you know um yeah i'm trying to think what i would it's a good example Quicker to the punch, maybe. I'm always a fan of quicker to the punch. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you can I, then I, bring up somebody that, you know, was, you know, absolutely found out to have done something, and then just say, yeah, but I, I did know that. Um, kind of, you're you're engaging the same activity that you're uh, ragging on people for. Yeah. It's just so, it's like, I keep trying to kind of write jokes lately that kind of, um, the, the, the overall message behind them is like that. I, I can't stand like how PC everything is, how, you know, this like whole yeah. like liberal progressive gender politics, like world where we've entered. But I, the problem I keep coming is that the audience doesn't agree with my point. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, it's like, it's like already an uphill battle. Cause I'm trying to like, it's, I'm trying to Bill Burr them into like believing how I believe, but it's, it's just really hard to write those kind of jokes. For I, I'm a big believer in not writing comedy for, well, when I say not write comedy for the audience, of course I don't mean that you don't want the audience to laugh and enjoy every joke or, or, or laugh at every joke you're saying. But I, you know, I've had clients before who have said, you know, I want to write something that I think uh, the audience will like. And I'm like, no, 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 write what you care about. Write what you care about. If the audience doesn't like it, that's too bad for them. You know, I mean, you're not going out and trying to, uh, you know, offend any particular audience, but if people are offended, too bad. But if you're not writing about what you really care about, then what are you writing about? And, and here's an example, by the way, where I definitely, in the beginning said, oh, you should take your own advice. And so I'm writing like dumb one-liners and I'm much more political in, in, in nature and I'm not writing stuff about that. So uh, there you go. But yeah, no, I, if, if the audience doesn't like it, I, I guess the only thing you have to be weary of, and even then it's uh, artistic, you know, dilemma. What if the bookers don't like it? You know, uh, because then where are you going to perform? Although now there's a lot of different alternatives, but I, I think people have to just go for what they think is important 
And if you don't like it, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tried that in my last show, and it was it felt horrible for a solid you, five minutes. Somebody beat the shit out of you in the parking lot. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, if you don't like it, you know, if it feels uncomfortable, then either the material isn't ready, or that's your body saying, "I don't want to do this," um, or you just have to get used to it. I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you got another joke? Yeah, I'll try one of the uh, the newer things that uh, I have here. Let's see here. I'll do I'll do a few lines if you don't mind um, of Coke before I start this, and then I'll yeah. All right. So um, you can't ever turn it off, can you? <laughs> no. Uh, my wife and I had one of those gender reveal parties. It turns out she's the dude and I'm the chick. It still works out. We just switched closets. Uh, she keeps trying to get her old closet back. And I'm like, hey, I'm not ready to come out yet. Um, no, but we had a gender reveal party because my wife is, is pregnant. Uh, her, well, now the baby's here, but it's all to change things around. But uh, my wife was pregnant. She's due on 420. Uh, so we're naming the baby Blaze. You know, Blaze Marijuana, Cheech and Chong, Bong Face Haber. Two on the nose, too much marijuana. You can't have too much marijuana. You can't overdose on that. And then it just kind of goes on. It goes on to gender, gender, uh, gender assignment and all kinds of stuff. But blah blah blah. <laughs> I really like the concept of a gender reveal party where the gender isn't the baby's gender being revealed. I kind of just started thinking about that to be honest, and I, I lost track of the rest of the joke a little bit. But, but yeah, the. Uh, so the audience every time like, I did it, so I don't feel bad. No, it's, um, I, I like it as the way it currently is, but I'm thinking maybe another version of it might be like, you know, my, my wife threw a gender reveal party for me, turns out I'm male or, you know, like mm -hmm. um, something that's a little bit more like, boom, like one word is going to make it a punchline. Um, I, I guess it tur turns out, turns out she's the dude. Turns out I'm female. Yeah. Turns out she's male. Yeah. And um, it sort of goes into a rant then about kind of what you were talking about about everybody being PC. Yeah. Because uh, we got a lot of shit online for having a gender reveal party. You're like I, I don't like gender re reveal party. And the whole point of it is that pregnant women want to eat cake. Okay. And they, you know, my wife has a carrier in my demon seed for forty weeks. It fucks up her body, it fucks up her mind, her fucking teeth, it fucks up her... And, and you're not going to let her have a, a cake? You know? Like, you know what gender likes cake? All genders like cake. That, and, it, and then I, it goes into a thing where I say, you know, I will accept my child if she comes out and says she's a boy or she's a girl or, or whatever. I said, I will accept it. It's just another opportunity to have a gender reveal party with another cake. The one thing I won't accept is if she comes home and tells me she doesn't like cake. And then I kind of go into a whole, you know, dad, uh, uh, I want to tell you something. You're gay? Yes, but uh, I like Jello. Get the fuck out of my house! I, w I wanted to do a joke. I s I've never tried it on stage yet, but I wanted to come out and go, Ladies, make some noise. Fellas, make some noise. Cisgendered, make some noise. Transgendered, make some noise. Uh, just go through like every non gender? Nonconformist, yeah. <laughs> like... I don't think it'd be fun, that funny, to be honest, but 
Uh, yeah, just so ridiculous. it's so funny. I to me the funniest like Colonel in what you're talking about, and I, maybe it's a different type of comedian that's more like on the honesty Good. track, but yeah, is like people complaining that you had a gender reveal party. Like that's really funny to me. That like you know like if like if I were if like you know my style like if I were doing it, it'd probably be like you know we were having a gender reveal party, and then like people started complaining to me that <laughs> like. Like how, you know, how in 2020 can you have a gender reveal? That baby doesn't even know it's gender yet. And I'm like, well, right. well scientists do. So yeah, well, uh, this is what I, I actually have is um, anyway, we posted on social media and people were like, I don't agree with your gender reveal party. And I was like, you know what? I don't agree with giving your fucking opinion, but we didn't ask for it. And it goes on. <laughs> I like that. To, uh, you know, and, and, and I have this you know, person say just what you said, you know, you're assigning gender to a baby before it could decide what it is. I'm like, no dumb fuck. Nature is assigning gender to my baby. If nature gives the baby a penis, we're going to assume it's a boy and call it a boy. If the baby grows up and tells us it's a girl, then I'll take her shopping for new clothes and pronouns. I think that last line is where the audience would turn on you, to be honest, because it's like, oh, she when has to go shopping because she's a girl, you know, like. Oh really? <laughs> Honestly, like I really do, but the I mean, not not that I again. I'm just saying because well, I, I just, I just tried out a ton of this material, and I can tell you the audiences are very fucking sensitive in 2020. But right, well, that, but, I, that that's for sure. But but I could do the same thing for a boy and say like, oh, you, if the girl came and said she was a a boy, I'd say great. Let's let's go shopping for a new wardrobe and pronouns. Let's go shopping, or or, or instead of wardrobe if i think if you just cut wardrobe out and because then it's like this new turn right where you're like we'll go shopping no and then the audience just starts to turn on you go no 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 shopping for pronouns pronouns we're very mm -hmm. progressive you know mm -hmm. um the the um what was i gonna say the part about um what were we talking about i lost a train of thought Oh, Audience I was going to say, the, when you, if you create, I think it'd be funny if you created an analogy, like, because you said the thing about if he has a penis, I'm going to assume he's a boy, right? Like, I think an analogy right there would work, like, like the same way, like, if my car starts backfiring, I'm going to assume it's broken, or like, I, that's a bad example, but like something that'd be funny where like, if, you know, if something has this, you assume something, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I peel open a banana peel. I'm going to assume there's a banana in it. You know, if it turns out there's a pear, okay, I'll, I'll work with it. I'll, I'll realize that it's a banana that's questioning itself, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's a banana um, that's going through a personal crisis. I actually have a line, where is it? Uh, I said, look, I don't care what your sexuality is, whether you're gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever. I just don't want you to talk to me at the urinal. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. How, how many rounds do we do? You want do you, do you have another one or is it time um, to go? Yeah, I mean at this point I think I'll probably have already cut the podcast to be honest with you, but um, <laughs> like at this point we're just chatting. The the you, um, you're just, just going to leave in my shitty jokes, okay? So. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit all your best jokes. <laughs> I don't know. I might leave it. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I mean, who's listening at this point? <laughs> it's like we're like two Somebody. hours. In. <laughs> I've, I've uh, got a small, uh, I've got a small loyal crew that um, cares about what I do. I'll, I'll tell them about it. All right, great. Um, all right, I'll do one last joke. Um, it's weird times we live in. It's, it's, it's weird how, uh, 
these are the only times where you're, you're afraid of someone who's not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, like if you're at an ATM and somebody comes up behind you, you're like, Oh my God, they're not wearing a mask. Run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just wonder with all the pandemic stuff, if it's going to be everybody with the same stuff over and over, mm. you know, cause, cause we're all having the same experience. And so it is a funny joke. Um, but you know, I, I mean, if you have some experiences that things have actually happened to you, you know, whether you're the one without the mask, I hope not, or, you know, some, or, or whatever. I mean, obviously that's always, I, I mean, I, I used to see fistfights um, at Broadway Comedy Club about people arguing about somebody stealing their jerk off joke, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no guys, it's just, it's a general thing. You just thought of the same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the pandemic stuff is funny, but if it's, if it's general ideas like that, and it's a good idea, you know, are you going to be one of 50 comics doing it? Yeah, I hear you. It's also the kind of thing where it's probably going to last for two more months anyways. And I'm barely doing shows, but yeah. I, and I, I saw that you were on the show. And I think it's fantastic that shows are getting up. And I'm also like, like, oh my God, like, uh, can we just all stop doing things for a month and, and get over, get over this? And, you know, but I, I, I really respect, uh, it's John Hilder, right? Yeah. With the show, I, I respect him for, for hustling so hard to get the show back up and running. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And then the show, you know, what happened was I did two shows last month. Uh, and the first show was really awesome. I mean, it was packed. It was an awesome show. And then the second show. And then show, half that audience died, didn't come back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then it's funny because I, I always do this with, recording myself or I didn't the, the first show I didn't assume would be good because like I'm like it's, yeah, it's a pandemic didn't bring my I didn't record myself then I'm like all right second show I'm recording myself you know and then it's like ends up being that the governor had just put in a you have to wear a mask anywhere you go and I and they they made the audience social distance so like they had to really spread out the audience so the audience perfect like, for comedy yeah it was yeah. like 20 percent I don't know it was like 30 yeah. percent full maybe so yeah but um but yeah, it's a lot of work to put a show together. So I do definitely respect how much he's working. And, and, and by the way, the worst thing, I would say one of the worst things that you have to do as a comic is get a tape. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it's like, it really is like catching lightning in a bottle. You know, getting all your stuff there. Is the venue going to let you tape? What, you know, how good is the quality? And then do you have a good set with a good crowd? And then, and then do you actually capture it? Yeah. And it's, I, uh, whenever it's, I it's a long myself, time. I don't have a good set. But, you know. Yeah, um, this has been fun, man. Yeah. So what, what's what else going on with you uh, off off podcast now? What uh? Let me let me it's like let me officially end the podcast. Well, do you do you have anything you want to plug before I end it? I mean, uh, I started broadcasting again. So if you either have the Periscope uh, app, which I don't think anybody does, or on Twitter, you know, it's just my name at Aaron Haber. I'm getting online about 6.30 p.m. Pacific time most nights and basically yelling about things that I'm, uh, I'm upset about, you know, to, uh, you know, to an empty room. So if you want to come and join and it's a lot of fun. I, I've got a little team of people called Team Haber and we all hang out and it's actually a pretty good time.
Thank you for listening to Thank You for Joking, a show about the process of being a comedy writer. Sometimes it's stand-up comics going through that process together, trying out jokes, giving each other notes, and sometimes I'm going to have TV writers on here talking about their process. So please subscribe. There'll be new episodes every week. Thanks.